We're in a series called Better Now. And the reason we named the series that is because of this whole thing that goes on in our lives a lot of times as people who are pursuing faith in Jesus, that we think the idea of Jesus being here would be best. That we think if he walked in this room today and he taught us and we could ask him questions and he did miracles and we could inspect the miracles and we could understand everything firsthand, that it would be better to have him here. But Jesus made this statement. He said, it's better that I go away. It's better that I'm not actually here physically. And we're exploring what he means by that because what he means by that is the fact that when he goes away, he sends his spirit to live with us and in us as Christians in a way that we've never experienced before in history. The God of the universe, not just coming close as a baby on earth, to be like us, but coming close to live within us and be with us each and every day. You know, um, I was thinking this last week, um, one, a screensaver picture that comes up is a picture that's uh, going to be on screen here in a second of my youngest son and Coach Joe. This is a coach that made a huge impact in my son's life in Oregon. He was a guy who ran a basketball academy each week and he'd have you know, hundreds of kids coming through, half of them from foster kid homes and rough backgrounds, and he'd have 35, 40 kids in a basketball gym and have them in the palm of his hand. And Coach Joe had tons of wise sayings he did. I'm sure most of them were stolen from somebody else because he was just one of these guys that studied absolutely every good basketball coach in the nation and stole everything he could from them as far as sayings. But he had this one phrase, and we've probably heard it. He said, uh, We have the phrase, practice makes perfect, but that's not true. It's only perfect practice that makes perfect. Now, I'm not into perfectionism. I've tried to be. It's really heavy. It's burdensome. It just kills you. But there is a truth in there. There is a truth that unless we're intentional about what we practice and how we practice, not just in basketball, but in all of life, that we'll easily get off course and we'll start doing the wrong things and not know why we're not getting the results we want. You know, I noticed in the Big Ten uh, tournament this last year, uh, one of the commentators was talking about Evan Turner. And he said that Evan Turner, every game, would dribble across the court before the game with his eyes closed, dribbling between his legs, behind his back, doing all sorts of stuff. And he said the reason why Evan did that is because when he got in the game, he did not want to be thinking about what it was like to dribble the ball. He wanted to be able to think about what the next thing he needed to do in life was. Today we're going to talk just a little bit about some habits in the context of exploring who the Holy Spirit is. And it's one of those things that we could talk about a lot and never talk about it enough. Because as I was looking at this as well this last week, I noticed this quote. There's uh, Coach K, who coaches the Duke basketball team, won the national championship, if you're not a basketball fan, this last year, and coaches uh, Team USA as well. There was a high school coach who had the privilege of going and seeing one of his practices. And he walked away and wrote this note back to Coach K, and it's actually posted on his website. It says, it was an amazing opportunity to learn not only about the game of basketball, but about teaching the game and communicating with athletes. And then he says this. He says, I was impressed with the focus on the fundamentals. 
especially since he was working with the best athletes in the world. You know, we could talk about habits a whole lot because habits really are what form the basis of our life. It's like Evan Turner going through basketball. If you have the habits down, then you've got the ability to respond to the situation and do the right thing. It's like in communication. If we have good communication habits and we get in a conflict at work, if we've got those habits down, the habits do not provide us the answers. They do not get us the wins and the accomplishments of life, but they help us navigate the situation. Good communication habits help us find the answer in the midst of conflict. And good habits of understanding God's presence are so critical to us. It's something like the fundamentals, that no matter how experienced you are, how long you've been walking with God, how well-respected you are of understanding God's presence and, and working with Him, it, we have to go back to the fundamentals sometimes and look at this again and practice it. Paul even says this in Ephesians 5.18. He says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you read your translation, it's just going to say, be filled with the Holy Spirit. But the actual word that's translated from Greek there, the, the verb tense means be being filled. It means constantly practicing, constantly pursuing, constantly asking for more. It really gets at this idea of having this habit of asking, having this habit of being aware of God's presence so that you can know Him and follow His lead in your life. But oftentimes in church, we, ended up, we end up polarizing on this issue. It's so easy for us to approach religion as study. We study the Bible to understand the concepts. And it would be so easy in this series about the Holy Spirit and His role in our life to just treat it as a study of the concepts of what He is. Now, some of it, we do this simply because it's our culture. And our culture, to a certain extent, has influenced who we are as a church. Our culture says that knowledge is king. We're in an information society. Whoever knows rules. Whoever knows has the power. And a lot of times we've allowed that to a certain extent corrupt our view of what church is all about so that it becomes whoever knows the Bible, whoever understands the concepts best and can talk about them is the one who's the expert and everybody should follow. But yet too often we divorce it from the experience, partially because we've probably all seen people, especially around the topic of the Holy Spirit, who get so much into the experience of Him leading that they just throw out this over here, or they force this to match their experience rather than testing both together. But one of the things that is really highly valued to me, and, and it's actually one of our values at Quest, is that we be a people who are deeply spiritual and deeply practical. Not one or the other, but both. John Wimber talks about it this way. He says, we need the illumination of Scripture... The Scripture gives us light. It gives us ideas of what God is like, who He is. But we also need the illustration of it. We need the Bible, what we call the Word, and we need the works as well. Because when we don't have the two of them, it's so easy for us if we only pursue one, especially if we only pursue knowing about God, to fall into the trap that Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, 5, where it says we have a form of godliness, but we deny its power. It's so easy when we're talking about the Holy Spirit to make Him into an it. 
But if we experience him, he is really a person. He really is a person. And God wants us to experience him and to be led by him daily, minute by minute, to understand what he wants to do in his presence. Wimber goes on to say this. He says, to say I love you is to, illustrating this whole concept, he says, to say I love you and to do nothing about it is an incomplete statement. To say I'll pray for you and not pray is an incomplete statement. To say I believe that God heals the sick but not to pray for the sick to be healed is an incomplete statement. And to believe that God is ruler of all, Lord of all, over everything, here to act in our midst as a person to lead us, but not to do anything is an incomplete statement. We need to be deeply spiritual and deeply practical. And today we're going to reflect more on who the Holy Spirit is. But I want us to make sure that this just doesn't become an intellectual exercise for us. As you're sitting there, I want you to think through the ways that you have experienced God as we're talking about today. And maybe as we tell stories, and I'm going to have some other people tell some stories of how they connect with God today as well, think through the ways that you actually experience a God in these ways. We're going to look at John 14 and verse 26. It says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now this word translated here, counselor, if you've read it in another translation, you, re- you also know that it's translated in other translations as a comforter and in even other translations as helper. It's because it's this word paraclete and it encompasses all three of those ideas. The Holy Spirit is one who comes to us to comfort us. Now, it's not the kind of comfort like you were sitting at Thursday night and you're lazy boy eating popcorn, drinking pop, watching LeBron get killed by the old guys. That's not the kind of comfort. For some of you, that was probably not comfortable at all. For me, I'm actually a uh, Kevin Garnett fan, so it was very comforting to me. I'm sorry. No, it's a comfort that in context, Jesus talks here and says it's about a peace. Now, and it's not a peace as the world gives. Think about peace in your life. So much of our peace is circumstantial. How many times have we had treaties in Israel? How many times have we had treaties with other countries and we end up with war again? How many times have you had an argument with your spouse and that same argument comes up and just destabilizes everything? How many times have you run into that angry coworker and had problems and then you resolve it and then two weeks later it happens again? The minute the rug gets pulled on you, it happens again and there's no more peace. Jesus is saying here, I give you, when I give you the Spirit, I give you the ability to have a peace that is not conditional on circumstances. It's the same kind of peace that Paul and Silas in the Bible had when they were arrested, thrown in jail, thrown in stocks. And just to think about this, this is, they're in stocks in this cold, damp cell, can't use their hands and feet, and I'm almost certain based upon the conditions of the day that there were rats and mice around them. Put yourself in that position. They got put there for doing something good. And yet Paul and Silas have this sense of peace that allows them to praise God and be at peace. 
What's that about? It's the same kind of peace that in our illustration last week of Corrie Ten Boom offering her hand in forgiveness to this guard who was a Nazi concentration camp guard who had killed her sister and beaten her offers the hand in forgiveness and it's that feeling that comes down your shoulder. The sense of peace that's not something we find in ourselves. It's not because we go inward in our meditation and we, we just put everything out. It's a tangible peace of a person of God in our midst. This comfort. Paraclete also means the idea of the helper, the one who comes alongside to help. The guy who walks alongside you is always with you. And Jesus, in the context of talking about this same word, talks in a couple verses later, or a couple verses earlier, says, I will not leave you as orphans. Have you ever felt, maybe some of you actually were left as orphans. Maybe some of you were orphaned because of divorce, or, or maybe you just never had the parent you wanted to have, and you just go, how could I ever be the dad, or how could I ever be the mom, or how could I ever be the person I ever wanted to be, because I never had that person to mentor me. And Jesus says the helper is this person who comes alongside. You're never alone. Even if you were without a dad, even if you were without a mom, even if, if you were without the right mentor, it's the one who walks with you, who's there, who's always there helping you. And the other aspect, the other connotation of this word, the other meaning of the word, is that he's the counselor, he's this giver of wisdom, he's the teacher, he's the one who leads you into all truth. When you don't know the answer, and this is not just a spiritual thing, when you don't know the answer of how to get the sale that you need to get, when you don't know the answer of how to solve this engineering problem that you're working on at work that you don't know how to solve, the God of the universe sends His Spirit who created everything to be with you, to give you wisdom, to give you understanding, to give you help, and to bring to remembrance the things that you've learned and studied in the past. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the promise even goes a little bit beyond that. Because he's not just a counselor in terms of giving you information. He's a counselor in terms of helping you navigate difficult situations. How many of you have ever worked in a situation, or maybe you currently are working in a situation, you don't have to raise your hands, where you've got people who are unethical or asking you to do things or they're behaving unethically around you or immorally around you and you're not sure how to walk this. This is the same spirit that helped Daniel and Joseph in the Old Testament work for pagan tyrant kings, stay true to their faith, and be a blessing both to the king and to thousands and millions of people who were under their care. This is the spirit that God gives us. Isn't that amazing to think about? How do you tap into that? What do you do to help yourself be aware of this person, this person, the paraclete, the person who's the helper, the person who's the counselor, the person who's the comforter, who can take away all anxiety in your life? What do you do to walk with that sense of peace? The teacher one for me, and this is a, this is a habit that's spread beyond this for me, but it's one of those habits that is still like... like Coach K working with people, I'm not putting myself in that category, but no matter, no matter what you do, you've got to return to it. I remember even as simple as when I was in college going into tests, 
and starting to practice the habit of paying attention to God by saying, okay, God, you are the teacher. You're the one who leads me in the truth. You're the one who's going to teach me everything I know to succeed in my call in life. And I've got to take this test right now. Would you bring back to remembrance everything I did? Now, I didn't get perfect days. I don't think that's the point. But there were a lot of times when stuff came back to me that I went, man, I don't know how I remembered that, that I had studied. Have you ever been in a situation where you had that same thing happen to you, where something that you hadn't thought of in a long time, a, a solution that just popped up and came to mind, came to mind that you didn't know, it had no idea where it came from, but it solved something, it helped you get through something? That's the work of the Spirit in our lives. That's what He does. He helps us. So some questions. How do you stay in a place of peace and comfort? How do you stay connected to that aspect of who God is to you? When everything around you is telling you you should be anxious and worried and stressed and fearful. Think back to the moments when you've been in those situations and you've been able to achieve that sense of peace. What did you do that helped you focus on who God was around you and recognize He's already there. He's already with you. We just have to learn to practice His presence and understand it. How do you connect with God for wisdom and counsel? What do you do when you can't solve a problem? It helps you connect with God so you can be led by Him. How do you stay dependent on Him, this helper, this one who's always with you, instead of withdrawing in isolation when you feel all alone in life? What do you do that helps you practice His presence then? You know, I suspect you're like me. Most of us, most of us really do get sloppy in our habits at times. We have to remember to practice these things. And that's what we're talking about today. You know, I mentioned him last week, and I'll mention him again just now. Brother Lawrence, the author of uh, the book, the Christian classic, Practicing the Presence of God. We look at somebody like that, and so oftentimes, you know, we read it and we go, man, this is a great person of God who's so different than us. The reality is that Brother Lawrence this man who has been revered by Protestants and Catholics alike since the late... He died in 1691. Since before he died and after, was not a cleric. He was not a clergyman. Yes, he lived in a monastery. But you know what he did in the monastery? He washed dishes. He cooked. He eventually got promoted to be the person who repaired their shoes of the monks. This guy was so poor, so uneducated, he could never become a clergyman. He was so poor and so uneducated that he joined the army for a stint before he joined the monastery after he got injured simply because he had no other way to make sure he had clothes and a meal every day. So he joined the military. And yet this simple man, not unlike us, learned to practice God's presence in a way that brought peace that clergymen from all over the all over the area that he was in people all the way up to cardinals and important people in the church came to him to learn how he understood God's presence sometimes when we get into practicing and try to figure out God's presence in us we get frustrated and brother Lawrence actually said this about that 
about our getting frustrated. He says that we should not wonder if in the beginning we often fail in our endeavors to practice the presence of God, but, at the, but that at last we should gain a habit. For him it was about living habits. Habits to keep connected with the living God as a person in our life. Because he, said, he says this, when we connect with God and have these habits to connect with him, he said we don't have to worry about what's going to happen. He says it this way, which will naturally produce, produce its acts in us without our care. We won't have to worry about it. And it'll be to our exceeding great delight when we learn to understand and follow God's presence. Those things that you have longed for, that plague you, that you wish were not part of your life, those sins that you have a hard time getting rid of, that God's grace indeed covers, but because they continue to repeat, they still cause pain in your life. Those things will start to wash away when we just learn to focus on Him and follow Him. You know, the rest of the time that we're together this morning, I'm just going to talk about some different ways that people uh, spend time connecting with God. Different ways people practice His presence. And I want you to think about it and, and try to apply it to your own life as we do it. If the Parkers could come while I'm doing this, I'm going to read one uh, and then I'm going to ask them to, to give some examples. I got this email a couple months ago. <clears throat> and it's from Heidi Wilson, a member of our congregation. She gave me permission to share it. And she said this about her experiencing God. She said, I'd like to thank you for teaching the soaping, Bible reading, journaling to us. She said, it was a teaching, not a preaching, and you showed us the examples right in church of people who shared up front their own thoughts on a passage. And she said, here's what it really showed me. It really showed me that God's Word is so alive and how He can speak to each of us differently, even through the same passage of Scripture. She said, this is really a thank you that stems from my heart's desire to be in God's Word more. I've struggled for years to get into a daily time with him even shed tears but I've always failed and I've always wondered why I can't seem to do this the Bible reading schedules you provided have been a huge help and knowing that our church is reading together she says I've been consistently soaping daily on a daily basis now for a while she had times when she started to slack off and and you know what again this is the whole thing it doesn't matter if we fail and we fall and we we slack off God just wants us to pursue Him. Don't feel guilty about the things that we don't do to connect with Him. Just let it go and pursue the next thing. She says this, Anyway, I'm not sharing this to say, Oh, look at what I'm doing or to put any boasting on me. I'm boasting in what God is doing and that I'm just so thankful. God has so much for us in His Word and He speaks through through it to our hearts. And our days can be changed when we focus more on Him and less on us. You know, this is just a simple reminder. I mean, we talked about the fact that the Bible is not an end in itself. It's illumination where we're supposed to experience God. And that's really what she's saying. Getting in the Bible has helped her to really understand that God wants to speak to her every single day. It's not approaching the Bible to get knowledge. It's approaching the Bible to experience God. So if you haven't been doing that, I just want to draw your attention. Here's the method. There's a little brochure out in the information rack on how to do the SOAP approach, which is all about approaching our Bible study of saying, God, what do you want me to say? What do you want to say to me today? 
And we've got these bookmarks that come out every two months. So I just want to encourage you to continue that if you've already got that habit. And now I want to also ask, uh, this is the Parkhurst. The Parkhursts uh, have been missionaries in uh, Kazakhstan, have been home with us on an extended furlough. Uh, they were started planting churches among Muslims in Kazakhstan in 1996. They officially registered the first vineyard church in Almaty, uh, Kazakhstan, in 2008. And uh, I wanted Deanna and uh, Josiah to share a couple examples of how they connect with God so you could hear a different perspective. So, as you might imagine, we've faced various circumstances that have felt overwhelming uh, in the years we've been there, and I um, can really get down under the heap with things and, you know, emotions, and there you are, and and, um, I have this prayer room where I would go and just kind of, you know, cry, <laughs> lay on the floor or whatever, <clears throat> and cry out to the Lord. And, you know, the, there's different times across the years where he just came in and picked me up um, and not something I did by myself, but just real clearly his picking me up where I'd maybe fall asleep there and then, you know, half an hour later or, or even after I was back into the rest of my day, I could just tell that he had done something in my emotions. And all of a sudden, the things that were so hard, and they were still hard, nothing changed. <laughs> but his hope and joy would just <clears throat> come in and change the whole thing. Even though nothing had changed, everything had changed. And um, so having experienced that a few times, I've just kind of learned and I've tried to keep it as a habit to, whenever I'm facing hard stuff, cry out and then keep looking keep an eye out because he likes to come and deliver us that way and and i have this verse <clears throat> that is a good reminder of that characteristic of his in psalm 18 um, verse 16 he reached down from on high and took hold of me <clears throat> he drew me out of deep waters he rescued me from my t- powerful enemy from my foes who were too strong for me they confronted me in the day of my disaster but the lord was my support He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. And he does delight in rescuing us and sending his Holy Spirit in to lift us up. And so, um, you know, if he wants to come in and be the knight on the white horse to rescue me, I want to be ready with my hand, you know, to grab a hold and jump on for that rescue. Cool. what What I like, I mean, just one of the things that stood out to me is just keeping an inquisitive mind. Just, God, what are you doing? I mean, sometimes our practicing his presence can be as simple as asking that question thousands of times a day. What are you doing, God? What's up? Where are you working? What are you doing? And we may not see it right away, but we will see it. Josiah. Okay, well, one area of my life where God, the Spirit of God has really influenced me has been in worship. And um, I'd like to share a verse to start. And it's from Psalm 95, verses 1 and 2. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Now, my parents will tell you when they're telling stories about me that I don't really appreciate, but it's okay. When I was um, three and we were in church before we went to Kazakhstan, I would dance in the aisles during worship. And... I mean, yeah, I'm not sure why I danced, but I did. And, but, isn't, but as I've grown older and God's taught me more about coming into my life and speaking to me, 
Worship has played a really big part in that at Christian camps during worship times and even at my high school we would have worship times and those times were always big moments in my life with God. And sometimes God would come and he would always come in different ways. It was never quite the same. Sometimes it would be when I wasn't ready for it. I'd just be standing there like, yeah, I'm here in church. And then God would come and he'd say, worship, be excited that I'm here. I'd be like, okay. But other times I would, I'd stand there and I'm like, God, I'm ready for you to come. And then he would come, he would invite me farther into worship. And through, and, even, and every time, the one thing that remained constant was just how amazed I was at the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because each time, I, I would tell that it was his presence because he would teach me something new. Sometimes it would be through the lyrics of the song. They'd start speaking to me in ways that I'd never really understood before. Or I would come in and I would be, I'd be sad because you know, maybe we had just left and I lost some really good friends. And God would comfort me through that. Or I would feel guilty over you know, some sin I committed. And he, the Spirit would provide me with forgiveness. Or I'd just be bored. And he would say, dance for joy. And I was like, oh, okay. But so as a habit then, God's taught me that in worship, he's always going to be calling me farther, asking me to do more. If I'm willing to stand there, he says, raise your hands. If I'm willing to raise my hands, he says, dance. Like you were when you were three. So, yeah, that's, that's how God has really come into my, and taught me. It's so cool. You know, there's this, there's this whole, we all know it. I mean, if we played sports, we don't like going out and practicing the fundamentals. We don't like going out and doing the stuff. Sometimes it's really a sacrifice. And I think God sometimes asks us to make a sacrifice of praise when we don't feel like it. And for me, you know, I'm not a real extravagant person. I've danced a few times in worship and stuff like that. And I'm not saying everybody has to do that. But you know what? Think about it this way. We talk about it in communication skills with each other. If I'm having an argument with somebody and I'm sitting here like this, what does that do? I mean, it, it, it comes across as closed up and harsh. And, and I think sometimes God wants us as a habit to do the same things we do with each other with Him because He is a person and He wants us to open ourselves up to Him. You know, when I'm struggling with God and going, I don't really want to do what you want to do, sometimes in worship I just have to literally kneel as a way of physically demonstrating something to Him. And, and God uses those even those physical habits for us to learn to connect with him. He didn't wire us in social interactions between humans this way just to be only in social interactions. It really has to do a lot with our relationship with him. And sometimes we just need to physically respond to him as well. I asked Tom too, to just since they're, they're, the missionaries over in Kazakhstan and I know stuff's going on there, to just give us a prayer request so they could we could pray for him as, uh, and their group over there as an example. So. Well, one of the fairly obvious things that comes to mind when um, when we end up over here longer than we expected to be is the uh, extra responsibility and the extra weight on the local leaders that we put in place when we left or that we were working to put in place as we were leaving. And um, 
life is just hard over there. One of the uh, situations that one of the leaders is in is that her family, her child and uh, grandchildren that have moved to a neighboring country to get work, uh, that neighboring country had a coup. And so there's fighting and shooting in the streets and schools are closed and things like that. And her kids are moving back in with her into her one-bedroom apartment. And it's just hard. It's a very um, difficult uh, set of circumstances. The economy's uh, worse there than it is here. And um, just difficult for her. Uh, one of the other leading families uh, recently, in the last few weeks, he got a late-night visit from... Kazakhstan's version of the KGB, the secret police, they uh, invited him to come downtown for, uh, for tea. No, um, they interrogated him for several hours through most of the night. Eventually, they released him. And he's struggling. Uh, that was an effective, very effective intimidation tactic, and he's really struggling with that. And I was talking with him on the phone, on Skype this week, and uh, he just is feeling very alone. And... Uh, it's hard, so I would appreciate your prayers for them right now. Boy, doesn't that fit with the topic of today? Feeling alone? Let's pray for them together. Lord, I pray that you'd be with uh, these leaders who are still in Kazakhstan. I pray, Father, that you, the Spirit, the Helper, the one who comes alongside, who does not leave alone, the one who gives courage when uh, fearful things are faced, the one who gives peace, Lord, that your spirit would touch them now and they would know the very real presence of the God that they love. And Lord, that you would grant them favor and success that others who do not know that peace, there's so many others around them who do not know that peace, that comfort. Lord, that they would come to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you continue to pray for them and for the Kazakhstan mission work? over the coming weeks. Um, Scott, if you could come. You know, there's one other verse that has always meant a lot to me in pursuing and practicing the presence of God because I used to uh, be a much more anxious person. How many of you struggle with anxiety? You know, I mean, it's just a common thing we face. I still face it. And I always go back to this verse for me. This is Philippians 4. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, we can take that as a command, and most of us who are really performance-oriented and don't understand God's grace take that, say, take that statement of, do not be anxious about anything, and it's a rebuke. That's not at all what he's saying. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, which half the time when I'm anxious is, God, help, take this, help me find your peace, and sometimes it's just a big to let it out. Present your request to God and the peace of God, the same peace Jesus talked about earlier, which transcends all understanding. This peace that is not the peace that the world gives will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on and says, For brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Why? Because we're positive thinking? No, it's not just positive thinking. God is a good God who wants to bring good. When we look for him, we look to the things that are going on that are good. 
Paul is saying here, practice his presence. Practice observing his presence by looking at what's good in your life because that's where God's at work. And a lot of times we just ignore it. Go ahead, Scott. That's really good stuff, isn't it? You know, what's interesting, what I like about what Ross is sharing and has been sharing with us the last couple of weeks is um, the methods of practicing God's presence are many, and um, they're as diverse as you and I. So there's no magic formula, there's no silver bullet or magic lining. It is to practice and find those things on how God communicates and connects with you and how you communicate and connect with God. Uh, Josh, can we go to that first slide? This is... Um, God tends to speak to me or reveal himself to me in everyday language in just certain circumstances. Two weeks ago in the Columbus Dispatch, there was, a, there was an article about the Hubble telescope. Uh, I don't know if any of you saw it, but on the front page was this picture. And this is, a, this is described as a butterfly nebulae. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that this was found in the Milky Way galaxy. That's part of where our solar system is part of. And my understanding, this, this is uh, somewhere size-wise between 5 and 50 times the size of our sun in our solar system. So in simple terms, it's really, really big. The article was about the Hubble telescope. Um, what I got out of it was, how big is God? Now, I know most of you here believe that God created this. And yet this is just one small expression of how big God is. So the question, I guess, that I'm struck by, and the question that I would challenge each of us here a little bit is, how big do we make God in our perspective? Uh, The great writer A.W. Tozer used to say, we're as close to God as we choose to be. When I see God in in a perspective like this, larger than life, um, then I tend to see him in every aspect of creation and I don't have to look very far to find him. So some days he shows up on the front page of the newspaper and speaks to me. On Monday evening, this last Monday evening, I was in a school board meeting in Westerville presenting some things on student learning that I've had an opportunity to work with a bunch of people on. And and I'm sitting there and, and most of the time I don't think about what God's present was in the school board. They're going over budgets and, you know, all kinds of things. But on the wall in the, in the media center in Westerville South High School was this saying, was this inscription. And it's, it simply said, thoughts become words, words become action, action becomes character, and character is everything. And through that little silly little inscription, um, God spoke to me. Now, it could be because it was about life size, it was on the wall and it was about the size of that screen, but that's sometimes the way God speaks to us as well. He just, you know, he makes it larger than life to touch us and to illustrate to us um, how he is here. I find it interesting that um, we invite the presence of God to be with us. It's a common expression. I, I use it all the time as well. When we put it in the right perspective, we should recognize that God's already here. I mean, he beats us to it. And he remains with us, Scripture tells us. And it also tells us that he remains long after we depart. So let's not make God so small in our thinking that we restrict all the things 
that he wants us to experience in the fullness of his life. Colossians 1.27 tells us it's Christ in us which is the hope of glory. Christ in you that is the hope of glory. So practicing his presence is as simple as starting to recognize and identify that he is already within us, working and willing to be expressed in ways that we haven't even thought or, or asked. Now, there's one other thing I want to I mention. Um, Ross, a number of times the last couple of weeks, has talked about this book, The Practice of the Presence of God. Maybe you're not a reader, but I don't want you to be intimidated by the writings of Brother Lawrence. This little book is 112 pages, okay? So even a guy like me can read it. It's not real small print either, so don't worry. No, so it, it's really simple. This, this is my copy, and, and I'm a big fan of it. I've, I've read it for the last 10 years. I've read it 13 times in 10 years. That just shows you how slow I am to get some of the practice of the presence of God. But it is that perfect practice makes perfect presence, as, as Ross had said. And just let's just tie this in this morning. Two songs that we sang this morning was, How Great Is Our God? And Lord, I'm amazed at you. Think of how big God is, and let's not make him so small. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is what to us? He's the comforter. He can bring you peace. He can resolve anxiety. He can resolve fear in any situation you're in. And the cool thing is he's already with you. It's just a matter of us practicing his presence to receive that. He's the helper. He's never going to leave you as an orphan. You're never going to be alone. He's always there. He's not there just some of the time. He's not helping just some of the time. He's always there. And he's the counselor, the giver of wisdom, the one who helps us remember when we need to remember because we're all afraid we're going to forget. This is the reason I carry a phone that beeps at me. Maybe if I practice the presence of God well enough, I can get rid of the phone that beeps at me. I don't know. But he's always with us. Let's go this week and let's practice observing where he's at work. Lord, I pray that uh, you know we, we pray that your spirit would come. We know you're here. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to realize your presence and help us to move beyond concepts of you in areas of our life to action in concert with you. Lord, I pray that you would release the wisdom that people need for their jobs this week. I pray that you would release the wisdom that people need for tests this week. I pray that you would help them sense your presence when they're facing those challenges. I pray that you would help them sense, their pre sense your presence when they're tired and confused or tired and not sure they can get everything done and they're anxious. Lord, I pray that we would know, be people who know your presence and walk with you. And Lord, I pray that we'd be people through whom your spirit can do the same for others. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here and you came with a need for prayer, we would love to pray for you. You can do that two ways. Uh, 
probably more than two ways, but I'll list two. You can grab a friend next to you, and they, I'm sure, they, I'm sure, would love to pray for you, or there would be people down here. This is uh, just the place we pick to have you come, since everybody's walking that way and that's noisy. This is the quietest place to pray, so we'd love to have you come down. There'll be people here who uh, would pray for you. And let's go and let's do the works of God this week in our own lives and with others. God bless.